This is Advice for Life with Lynn. Today's issue, how to come from abundance. You know, my grandparents had the biggest house, the nicest mm. car. So all of that illusion played into the building of my self-esteem. I thought we were rich. You couldn't tell me anything different. You felt rich. I felt rich. Yeah, right. I felt rich. Um, so when the car started to crash, as it relates to this illusion that I had created, was probably like the first time when I asked my grandfather for a car. I said to my grandfather, he says, well, what kind of car do you want? I said, I want a BMW <laughs> Z3, light blue, black convertible top. I was 16 years old. And my grandfather says, oh, no, we don't have the money for that. And I thought, <gasps> oh, wow. Your world. My world just started crashing, right? You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty gritty with people who know what they're talking about. This is Advice for Life with Lynn. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at advicefor-lifewithlynn.com/audible. I love the word free. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can get them from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Money. It's just paper, right? I love paper. Or it's just a thing. But that thing can make us feel so good about ourselves or so bad about ourselves. It's actually a direct reflection on how we're feeling inside. They say your first memory of money can determine your relationship with it for the rest of your life, unless you consciously change it. So my first money memory was when I came home from school one day. I think I was in third grade or something. I think it was third. And I told my parents I needed to go to the bank and withdraw all the money from my savings account, all $70. They asked me why, and I said, Billy Mudhall told me he needed all my money, and I wanted to give it to him. So what do you think happened next? They laughed, and my mom bent down and looked at me in the eye and said, never give your money away. So that taught me two things. Number one, being who I was, a generous, albeit gullible child, was a bad thing. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't my dad's fault. But, you know, I got an issue right away. And number two, it also taught me never to give your money away. So since then, I've had a hot and cold relationship with money. At 25, I saved $10,000 in a year for a down payment to build my first home. And I did this on a minimal salary while my husband at the time was a full-time student. So I did it all by myself. So this was the biggest money victory because I learned I could do anything that I set my mind to. And I was coming from determination. I was definitely coming from abundance. But over the years, I, like so many women, have used money like food to numb myself or to make myself feel good in the moment because, let's be honest, there's nothing like a great pair of jeans when you look in the mirror and you feel like you lost 10 pounds or 5 pounds, like you gotta have 10 of them. Or my personal favorite, buying a fabulous set of lamps that make you hum every time you look at them. Mm -mm -mm. However, we all know buying that buying high wears off and it doesn't ever fix what's really going on inside. Mmm, it's so true. So the question is, there's a couple here, but the question is, how do we start feeling good about ourselves without buying anything? How do we feel good about ourselves when we look at our checkbook and it's like negative or zero? But most importantly, how do we come from abundance and take control of our finances without feeling deprived or like shit? Our guest today, Shawnee Curry, has all the answers. Time for Lynn's Confessions. All right, before we get to Shawnee, here are the top three things on my mind. Number one, I really, really want, need, want, there's no need, a new wallet. Uh, I haven't bought a new wallet in 10 years. Don't you feel sorry for me? I do. And I have my eye on this Louis Vuitton. 
Now you're like, I don't feel sorry for you, but I'm already feeling guilty and I'm already judging myself because who needs a Louis? Number two, if I process this, the real reason why I want a Louis wallet is because I feel I deserve something that will last excuse because I'm afraid of getting a wallet that will fall apart. If I go to Target, it's going to be, I'm going to need to buy a new one in a year. And I guess it's called deprivation. Do you like how I'm analyzing myself? Number three, wouldn't it be nice if today, like by some miracle that everybody on earth magically got $10,000 in the mail, like in a check, wouldn't that be nice? Background check. Background check. All right. The background on today's guest, Shawnee Curry is a financial coach. She teaches women and some men how to save, spend, share, and invest. But she really teaches women how to feel good about themselves and take control of a part of their lives they probably never thought they could or didn't know how to manage. She teaches abundance. Like all of us, everything Shawnee has experienced has set her up for her true purpose in life. From studying journalism, going into banking, selling luxury cars and insurance. She bought her first property at the ripe old age of 22, but then she lost her job. I think everybody has to hit rock bottom to actually do something meaningful in life. So we're going to find out how she handled that. Today, Shawnee shares what she learned about selling, saving, spending, and most of all, self-esteem in a thriving business called Purse Empowerment. She's an author of a book I just received, got on my hot little hands called 10 Things Every Woman Should Keep in Her Purse, including this little book. Uh, she also has a web series called Purse Empowerment Web TV with over 25,000 monthly viewers. And she's stunning, by the way. She's a wife and a mom of two young boys, and she is juggling, but she is doing it. Welcome, Shawnee. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here with you. Well, you are uh, an inspiration, and I think you have a lot to offer to mm -hmm. everybody listening, whether they want to buy a house or just balance their checkbook or take control of their lives. Yes. So tell us about your first money memory. My first money memory. Geez, I'm trying to think. Okay, so my memory, you had a really great one, really great one. And what's beautiful about it is I have children four and six. So I'm always very cognizant of what I say. Now, one thing that you just share with me is that even the intention of your mother, as much as her intention maybe was just to give you some information, people are subjective. They're going to take the information that you give them and they're going to do whatever it is that they want mm -hmm. with it. And there's not much you can do about that. So you can set out in your heart at that absolute bless. You know, your mother was probably just saying that to you simply, you know, don't give your money away, right. you know, but you took it, you harnessed it and you mm -hmm. used it as your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, your mom could have said a whole bunch of things that could have really screwed you up. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's all she said, but you held on to it. I don't have any memories like that, but here's one that's as specific as that. Um, so here is what happened to me. Um, I grew up under the illusion of wealth. I felt because of all the love around me, I really felt wealthy as a child. There was nothing I asked for that I didn't have, mm. that I didn't get. You were lucky. It was just, I, I just had like, and it was just crazy. And what's even more beautiful about that is my mother had me when she was 16, right? So that doesn't make much wow. sense, right? My mother had me when she was 16. Um, so I was raised by my grandparents as well as my mother. My mother, even mm. though at that age was not the maturity, but I never really felt unmothered. 
ever felt on mother. I never really felt like I had a teenage mom. That never happened. However, with that being the tenses, you know, of me growing up, me being born to 16, you know, pregnant, you know, my mother's pregnant with me at age 16, you think, ah, you're going to have something schlock to get through. But that wasn't the case. My grandparents were very good at compensating for the absence of my father, as well as for the the youth of my mother. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of worked together to parent me. My neighborhood was very parenting. Um, The schools that I went to were very neighboring. Like, I just had it. And then when it came to material things, it was just always in abundance. Now, granted, I was the only child for an entire decade, 10 years, right? So I didn't really have to compete with anyone for stuff or anything. I didn't have any of that to worry about. It was very easy. I mean, my first purse was a Louis Vuitton. I was six years old. I remember that. Where did they get the money for a Louis Vuitton? They had the money. They had the money for it. They found a way. They found a way. And, and yeah. And okay. So then we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about that in terms of finding a way. And then my first car, you know how all the kids on the block, they, everybody gets like some type of hot wheel. Mm -hmm. My hot wheel was a Rolls Royce. Wow, Shawnee. I mean, I don't know how I manifested that (laughs) from wherever, but that is what my life was like. That is what it was like. I I just had Your it. Your first car was my Rolls? first. The not my first car, but the first. You know the little Hot Wheels that kids get. Oh, the, yeah. yeah the Mine was a Rolls Royce. The little but the toys. The message yeah. was what to you? The message to me is that I was wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know everything about it. There was abundance. I could mm-hmm. have anything that I wanted. You know, I had a lot of attention from the mm-hmm. adults. I was the only child. Then when it came to toys, it was always access. And then in terms of in comparisons to the other people that might have lived on my block, it was always kind of like the ideology of this big fish in this little pond. You know, my grandparents had the biggest house, the nicest mm. car. So all of that illusion played into the building of my self-esteem. I thought we were rich. You couldn't tell me anything different. You felt rich. I felt rich. Yeah, right. I felt rich. Um, so when the car started to crash, as it relates to this illusion that I had created, was probably like the first time when I asked my grandfather for a car. I said to my grandfather, he says, well, what kind of car do you want? I said, I want a BMW <laughs> Z3 light blue black convertible top. I was 16 years old. And my grandfather says, oh, no, we don't have the money for that. And I thought, <gasps> oh, wow, your world. My world just started crashing, right? (laughs) Now, the illusion was still being held up by a couple of things because I did get a car. It was a Camry, you know, so that did happen. Um, Things were still kind of helping out with the illusion. So the year after that, I went to college, right? And I I went to um, FAU in Boca Raton, which there is a lot of affluent students. Even the children that come in in the neighboring community is very affluent. So they're there. So here goes this illusion coming down a little more, even more starting to disintegrate with time because I'm now comparing yeah. myself mm-hmm. right so I had to stand in the financial aid line none of some of the people there never had to get in the financial aid line and you never right? stood in a financial aid line no I mean this is my first year in yeah. college so I wouldn't have a reason but the fact that you know there wasn't someone just writing a big check like some of the other kids right, on campus right. you know they weren't in the line you know when it came time for their books I had to apply for scholarships I lived in a scholarship house you know so then the disintegration of this illusion of wealth was starting mm. to collide and minimize and how did you feel about that I was it, it okay so through time time, right? So you don't need as much in college, depending on what you're doing. So it started to kind of chart down just a little bit. But the real resentment set in the year I graduated from Mm -hmm. college. Like that is where 
If I hadn't handled myself well, I could have been stuck right there in that period of when I graduated. Because when I graduated, because like when you're in college, I mean, if I was an RA, I was an RA for a period about three years. I think the last year I, I wasn't, I think it was an RA the whole time, in fact, right? So I never had to pay for housing. Um, I ate on campus. I never needed any money. You know, <laughs> like, what did you need? I didn't need anything. Right. So you still have these illusions that come every now and then. But once you graduated from school and now you're going back home. So if you're thinking about starting a business or furthermore, if I was thinking about because I went to school to be a news reporter, I wasn't looking forward to making $16,000 because that's where you start at. So yeah, I'm thinking 15 for me, yeah, 15 for you, right? It's 16 at my period of time. Yeah. I graduated in 01, uh, 05. So then I'm thinking like, okay, so how am I going to do this? So it was very, that was like a, that was like a so, riveting part for me. Let me ask you, when you said you started getting resentful, what was the thought process in your head? Was it, well, gosh, why me? Or everybody has no, more than me? What no, no. The, the resentment was, why did they keep up this hoax? Uh, you were mad at your family. Mad at my family. We're not I was rich. a brat. Uh, I was a brat. You hear me, Lynn? Yeah. They cultivated a brat without knowing. Yeah, they cultivated a brat without knowing. Kind of like your mother was saying, just like your mother was saying, hey, Lynn, don't give your money away. And she was just thinking that she was just telling you, like, hey, dude, you can't go to the bank and give all of your money away. She didn't know that it was going to become a life lesson. And I'm sure that when my parents were giving to me in such a way, they were giving to me probably why most parents spoil their children. One, from the place of, I want to give you things that you never had. And two, I want you to feel loved by me. They didn't know that they were cultivating this um, entitled Mm-hmm. brat mm-hmm. you know so I went through a lot of periods of just feeling like okay why you know why isn't anyone helping me why isn't anyone doing this why isn't this like it was like huge you know and I went through a couple of crashing points in and, and begin to release you know get my power back you know you get your power back when you stop holding other people hostage because your power can be tied into this victimizing situation words, stop blaming people yeah stop blaming people because when you blame people, you take away your own power. Mm-hmm. So the truth of the matter is, as an adult, at that point, if people had put a silver spoon in your mouth, at that point, you need to know how to feed yourself. I mean, right. they did it to begin with. Most kids can't even have an illusion about that. They even have this as a complaint. Right. But it was very present. So I grew up under the illusion of wealth. Well, they did the best they could. <laughs> the absolute best. What was... Okay. I had a bunch of questions here, but I like right. to, I like to go chronological. Okay, right. so you crashed, crashed. Like what? What was that? Your what was your rock bottom? What was rock bottom? I think you keep like <laughs> that's the gift about life is that you keep having like different rock bottoms at different levels of your life. So rock bottom was just those emotions, how I felt, how I behaved in the world, how I looked at my parents, how I. Um, how I related to my parents, that was probably the rock bottom of my emotions. That was like rock bottom as it relates to that. I was pissed. I was a brat. So yeah. And then on top of it, there was really like no, there was really like no rites of passage. Like, hey, listen, you know, we're going to trim down on some of this stuff. It's just like one day, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cold turkey. Yeah. It's like cold turkey. Like, oh no, you know, no, we're not doing that. And no, no, I don't think we will. So sometimes uh, parents don't provide any verbiage you know, as to this process that they're going through. You're going through a rites of passage, but there may not be any verbalization going on. There's just all these social cues where you're being pulled off the tip. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I had an ex-husband who was on the tip. Yeah. Yeah, because those brats turn into adults. Yes. Yes. 
So what was driving you? So you you hit rock bottom. Right. You're, you're pissed off yeah. at your family for right. giving you everything and then realizing they don't have anything else to give. Yes. So what drove you to buy your first property investment at 22? Okay. So at this point, when I get to a place of like, okay, so no one's going to give me anything. So this wonderful life that I want, guess who's going to give it to you? <gasps> you. You're going to give it to yourself. You are going to do it. So a part of it, though, when you get a gift about something is being able to see the duality of it, right? The duality of it is one, not resenting, you know, because I, it was really good when it was there, you know, being thankful that you had the opportunity to have abundance mm -hmm. thrown at you in such a way. This child that comes into a world to these parents that, you know, my, my father is absent, my mother's a teenager, but yet you still strike gold, you know, but not seeing that. So that took some maturing spiritually and able to see that. Um, two, so this is how a lot of people get hit and hung up is that in a little lesson that their parents might have said, hey, Lynn, don't give away that money. It makes them hoarders. Mm -hmm. Right. So they hoard everything. They can't release anything. Mm -hmm. They can't they can't do anything. They don't they don't feel good about spending money. Mm -hmm. They only feel good about earning money. And they just don't know how to have a good relationship with money because it's off. The relationship mm -hmm. is off. The chemistry is off because you can't you can't spend all of anything and you can't. Uh, keep everything either. Right. You know, oh, it's coming so, from deprivation. Right. So yeah, you can't come right. from either. You have to find a way to balance yourself. So how I have to balance myself. Here are some balancers for me. Is that okay? Here's a gift that you had. Right. Number one, release your parents. Don't resent them for giving you the absolute best that they could. That's number one. Um, number two, now you know what it feels like to have a life that you really want because you've already had it. You already know what that feels like and you already know what that looks like. So here's a gift. You can duplicate that. That's what you said yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it now mm -hmm. even more. You know, it didn't I mean now I'm I'm like um I'm in my mid thirties, so things are coming to me better. I was in my twenties when I was first dealing with some of that stuff. So you kinda know now, you wanna know how you're gonna firm it up so that it doesn't so the thing that was supposed to heal you doesn't become a hitch. Mm -hmm. You don't wanna get stuck in those lessons. You want to okay, mommy was talking about then. She wasn't talking about forevermore. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, don't get stuck in yeah, the past. don't get set don't get stuck in that one piece of information and think that like it's Bible forever. You right. know, these things are you know, you don't use a hammer and a wrench for the same thing. So but what drove you? I mean, at 22, what were you thinking? You know what? I'm not, I'm going to take care of myself. Yes, I'm going to take care my of parents. myself. And I don't want the illusion of wealth. Okay. I, want I want to, to have actual wealth. I want to have quantifiable wealth. So if I don't want the illusion of wealth, and mm -hmm. these are places that I got stuck in, you know, I got stuck in penny pinching, you know, and penny pinching doesn't do anything for abundance. Mm. It in fact deflects abundance. Mom, are you listening? Yes, it it deflects it. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't position you in a way that you can you know you you can't co-create with the universe from that place. Well, affluence comes from the word of flow. Money needs to yes, flow. Yes, money needs to flow. So if you're holding on to all of it, it's very stagnant. It can't grow. It can't move. It's restricted. It can do nothing. So I went through some a couple of those places, right? I went through a couple of those places. Mm. So so this is like my journeying up. You're meeting me like ten years in at this point. You know, so I've had an opportunity to really see what I was being taught. You can't see everything from where you are. But at 22, like, I, I get 22, what you're, you were thinking. 22, I don't want, what? I want to have real wealth. 
Uh-huh. I don't want to have this illusion of wealth. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to have money, I need to actually really have money. So you knew then I need to buy something. So if I want to, yes, I know that I need to buy something. At that point, I would be paying my rent. So I'm looking at my rent versus what it is. And plus, a lot of thing is, is that a, a lot of times, and this is the beautiful part, is that your silence, your silence, your thoughts are also prayers, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. also prayers. So even at this junction where I'm going through this this place of where I want to create real wealth, right? And not really knowing how to do it. I have all these influences around me that's saying, go this way, go this way, right? So while I'm resisting and I'm resenting my parents, I happen to end up getting employment, working in a real estate office. So I get to hands-on understand Mm. a real estate contract. Mm -hmm. I get to understand the difference between people coming into the office, wanting to purchase a property for $500,000 and only earning Mm $50,000. Look at the numbers on that, seeing some of them getting approved. Also, I was graduating during the period where the real estate bubble had completely burst, right? Good timing. Yeah, good timing. Timing, right? Good timing. So anyway, so I end up, so that is the thing. So I end up working in a real estate firm. Um, A lot of my mentors, a lot of my friends were into real estate. They were either buying property, selling property, getting property. So this prayer, this silent prayer to create real wealth was being mm. answered by all these different people in my environment. It was just happening. We we also on the show called what you call your silent prayer, your intention. Yes. So you had an intention to have real wealth. Yes. Not this illusion, yeah, of, illusion wealth. of wealth. I wanted to actually have some, some level of wealth. So therefore I was magnetizing all these different people to yes, me. Yes, for sure. For sure. Everything was coming to you for sure. that you needed. Yes. Everything was coming to me that I needed. So then, right, so um, so as as it goes on, so I end up, so here's this, this, this wonderful thing. I end up, where did I go? I wanted to buy this property. Now, here, I wanted to get this property, but I could not get the property yet, right? Um, I couldn't get the property because I didn't have any credit. I had absolutely no credit, right? Um, but yeah. I had a car that I paid $15,000 for. And I had paid it off. And that was the only thing on my credit at that point. And my mother was really good at saying, avoid, and that's in my book, avoid the envelope epidemic. So, which means I didn't have a lot of credit cards. You know, when the people in the breezeway were kind of shelling cards off on me, Mm -hmm. I denied them, which, um, which at that position is why I didn't have any credit. Instead of being taught how to manage credit properly, I was just taught to avoid it. Mm. So here I am not being able to qualify for a property. But the gift of that is that I taught myself about the process of building your credit. I learned the process. I understood what trade line was. I understood um, that you don't need to go 30% over your credit limit. Those are things that I learned to do to make sure that I build my credit. I became an authorized signee on one of my uh, colleagues' credit. He had an American Express. His beacon score is about a 640. By me attaching myself to him within 30 days, my score went up to maybe about 40 points just through attachment to his credit because he had something good going for him. I attached myself to so I was able to build up my credit score just on the basis of those simple things. What is the number one um, mistake women make about their finances? The number one mistake that women make about their finances is that they do not, uh, they doubt how much money they really can make. That is women's mm. biggest 
failure. Like they're just leaving money all over the table. Why do you think we do that? We do it because in some ways we're socialized to minimize ourselves. Mm. We're socialized to stay out of people's way. We're socialized to not be the big mouth in the room. To be nice and to kind of, yeah, minimize ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we position ourselves to kind of really get in the place of not asking. Now, so sometimes, right, for us, Mm. we may not want to go ahead and ask our boss for a raise. Fine. You may not be ready to ask your boss for a raise, but ask the universe, ask God, ask someone. Don't stay with that. You know, that that's the biggest thing. Like I look at some people's budgets when I work directly with my clients and all the time and I'm looking at their budget. Sometimes it's just that they don't make enough money because mm-hmm. they're not asking the right questions. They're not asking of themselves. They're not demanding more of themselves. Well, they don't even, before you have to ask, you have to actually believe that you deserve. Right. But one thing is the beautiful thing, right? Even when you don't have like this, 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 this euphoric or understanding of yourself, what you do not want crystallizes what you want. Absolutely. It crystallizes. What you think is what you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you, even, even if you don't have the thought that, Hey, I'd like to be a millionaire. You may just have the thought that I am tired of not being able to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. That thought is very, that can pull you in some good stuff. You can oh, start creating so from you're... that place. You may not even have the wisdom to ask for a million bucks, but if you keep getting slapped around, looking at the same budget every single month, there is something in you that's saying, you got to move, you got to move, you got to move. Now, when you hear this, I don't know when you'll ever hear it. You know, I don't know. Some people hear it immediately that I need to do something about this. If what's coming in and what's going out is an indication that you have a deficit in your income and a deficit in your spirit. So you need to ask. Mm. See, I hear what you're saying. So it's important for everybody listening that we get this. Like what I hear you saying a few seconds ago, if you sometimes you don't know what you want and you don't know how to say it in a positive way just say it in a negative way i'm sick of not having enough i i don't know i don't most people let's say now someone like you who is intentional about speech and you have done the work to study and to understand the power of words the power of thought the power of language that may be too mediocre for you so i wouldn't say to you to say oh i'm sick of this right right that is not it but just the thought of just that constant feeling inside of feeling like, geez, you know, I really, I'm tired of eating this steak. I'd like to Mm -hmm. have something else. It is creating inside of you. Uh, I'm kind of tired of driving this car. You're kind of silent. You're not really loud about it, but that in and of itself is creating. It's a start Mm -hmm. and it's pulling in some level of momentum. Now, where I see that work best is with my clients that I can look at their numbers. We can do income versus outcome what's coming in versus what's going out. And they can look at it and just feel just annoyed. I Mm -hmm. know that they are going to create some better habits and better yet, I know that they're going to start asking for more. They're going to ask for more from themselves and they're going to ask more from the universe. They're going to ask more from God. They're going to ask more from the source. They're going to start asking. And I get excited about that. Now, if I'm sitting in front of a client and they're kind of comfortable about, you know, their income versus the outcome, and I'm like, okay, so what do you think about this? You know, because when we look at a budget, right, there's two things we can do if it is consistently stacked. 
stagnant. There's two things we can do. Only two things. Anywhere. Anywhere you go. Number one, we need to increase the income. Income needs to be increased. We need more money. You got to face that at some point. Mm -hmm. And then until you rev up to that income level in which you really want to be, what can we release from your budget? What Mm -hmm. can we release right now that is not really serving you? How can you unplug up some of this energy that's really static? It's not adding anything to you. But how do you help somebody's fear? Because I I think... uh... The fear of what? Well, okay, here, I'll give you an example. I don't Mm -hmm. know if anybody can relate to this or not, but like, um, well, a sale is a great, is a great example. Uh You know, um, let's say it's the end of the year, you know, you already did all your Christmas shopping, Mm -hmm. you're tapped and, you know, all these sales, let's say Victoria's Secret's having 75% off in bras Mm -hmm. and you go, sometimes I'll go and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get this now, even though I haven't budgeted for it or I don't Mm -hmm. have money for it because... Mm -hmm. It's on sale Mm -hmm. and I won't have money in the future to buy it full price. It's a, it's really a, a psych joke because Mm -hmm. you're not saving more money by buying something on sale. You're coming from deprivation Mm -hmm. if you are buying it out of fear. Okay. So what the beautiful thing is that is number two, right? Two two things that happens when that happens to you, when you go into the store and you're buying something that's on sale. Um, Number one, you're buying into the lie. The reason why you're buying it on sale is because it's on sale, right? That's Mm -hmm. why you're really buying it because it's on sale. So you tell yourself this lie, which is very interesting that women come into. We lie to ourselves and tell ourselves there's not more than enough. Yeah, we lie and we tell ourselves like, let's say when the competitive spirit between two women are in the room and is acting up, it's really what they should call it is that we don't believe that there is enough room in this room for the both of us to coexist. We right. don't believe that. There's only one so beautiful we, woman. There's only one beautiful <laughs> woman. There's woman. only one smart woman. Yeah. There's only one this and it's an illusion. Now, has that illusion been passed off to us and we had to buy into it a couple of times? Yes, we have mm-hmm. society. They're always saying there's four to one man. There's mm-hmm. this. There's one woman of this. There's all these silly stats that we say yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh and then it becomes true when we're in the room together so it also acts up this this ideology of lack you know victoria's secret is gonna have another sale you know it i know it they gonna have one next month yep okay so you're just it is just your triggers right the trigger of lack to make you feel that if i don't get this now it's not going to be here or that i don't have enough bras at yeah. home oh actually, i don't I probably yeah do. you do and that is and that's probably like one of the biggest way that i can get people to save money is number one by doing an inventory of all the things that you have when i'm mm. sitting and i'm doing a budget with my clients and i can notice in their energy that they're a little annoyed by this like you know, I don't really like this. Well, that's because you don't realize all that you have. You're not thinking about Mm. that. You're not thinking that this income that you bring in, it is providing shelter for you. And without this income that you have, you would not have anywhere to live. Let's be thankful for that. Gratitude. Right. Real genuine mm. gratitude. Sometimes people have to conjure up gratitude because mm. they live in this delusion of life. You know, they conjure it up. Yeah, I'm so thankful. And they're not really thankful. Mm. But if they really got into the fact that right now you're sleeping in a bed, like you're not laying on the floor, mm-hmm. you're in a bed with sheets, with sheets <laughs> and a pillow. Yeah. And there's their air conditioner in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Do you pay for that? Oh, wow. What about this food that you buy? Let's see your food expenses. How much food consumption do you have? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What did you eat? You know, did you oh, go to I Whole Foods? Did you go to Whole Foods? Oh, <laughs> buy organic. Wow, look at you. You can buy yeah. yourself organic food. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You have this car payment. Now, maybe you did buy off too much car, right? Mm-hmm. So the next time you can't bite off 
too much car, right. right? Let's figure out how we can, but this is transportation. You need this. Or are you planning to take Uber everywhere you go? Right. Or you want to take the bus? Or you want to constantly be a haggle to your friends to pick me up, drop me here. Mm -hmm. But you have been able to manifest a car. Aren't you thankful for that? So that's think, powerful. That is super powerful. It's not even most people get tricked because they think like, I don't really have anything to be thankful for. I'm making this up and they get into these affirmations and they go through this long place. Like that's is, really, there's important. really stuff that you can yeah. be thankful for. Like yeah. you have hands, dude. Yeah. Chill, bro. You yeah. have eyes. Well, I mean, I hate to get off on a tangent, but I think social media and comparing ourselves to other people keeps can keep gratitude away. Right. And, and it, I mean, I guess if you do get into that or depending on where you are, where you're shifting from, because when you look at someone that's super beautiful and they've been able to manifest that, that just simply lets you know that, you know, things can happen. Great stuff is happening Anybody to them. Anybody can manifest. Yeah. I mean, we have a president, you yeah. know? Anybody can manifest. Yeah. No one is off limits. <laughs> You know, look at the president, you know, like nobody thought this guy was going to be the president. He's oh, the president. Yeah. If you're listening to this four years from now, it, we're talking about President <laughs> yes. Trump. <laughs> yes. So you, so yeah, this is, this is, this, this is where we are. So you can look at other people manifesting and you can let it put you in a place or you can let it suggest to you that things are happening good for other people. So good things can happen for me too. Is it ever okay to use shopping or spending to make us feel better is it ever okay to make shopping and spending to make us like feel sometimes better? i know i'm consciously you know distracting myself like okay i'm gonna buy this because it's gonna make me feel better for 30 minutes or i'm gonna eat this because i'm gonna feel better in 30 minutes but then you know i'm still gonna feel bad inside is it ever okay or is it never okay i wouldn't say that it's never okay but nothing consistently done is ever really good like say for instance if Okay, like I can buy a pair of shoes and it puts me in a mood, mm -hmm. right? It puts me in a way. I could buy a purse and it puts me in a way. It is it is me attaching myself to a vibration. I'm on this vibration. Mm -hmm. But let's yes, I, I yes, so I will attach myself to a vibration. There are certain places that I go to that is going to change my vibratory frequency. Right. I'm going to go there. Like I may go to a restaurant and let's say this particular day the only thing that I need to be spending in there is a cappuccino mm -hmm. based on my but so fine, I go there with the spirit of abundance like, "Oh, I'm going to buy myself this really great. It's probably $8. I'm going to buy mm -hmm. myself this $8 sure. cappuccino and I'm going to sit at this really beautiful table and I'm going to see this beautiful white linen and look at all the people in here this is just wonderful so i can gag myself up about that but consistently needing that type of trigger uh, every single day would put you in a budget if you're gonna spend eight dollars every single day on a cappuccino first of all it's not good for your teeth it's not good for your body it's not good for your health so you constantly consistently you know needing to trigger yourself in a way that is so far extreme is just not healthy for you so at this point you need to find some other ways to raise your vibration mm -hmm. so every now and again if it was a person or shoe but anything consistently done over and over again it's not going to be good we can use food if if the only time you feel good is when you're eating chocolate cake and then every day you eat a piece of chocolate cake come on right you're going to be overweight your yeah. teeth are going to be bad it's too much it's too much. And you're just covering up something inside. Yeah, you're covering up something inside. And, and even if you're, if you're, let's just say you're not. Let's say you're, you've gotten to a place where, because there are a lot of thought leaders that believe that the only thing that matters is now. Right? They would say the only thing that matters is the time and space that you and I are occupying. Everything else in the past, it doesn't matter. You mm -hmm. know, this, that. 
it's irrelevant at this point. So let's say you don't have all those childhood issues, you don't have all this da 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 da, and you just have this particular moment. And the only thing that you can choose to raise your vibratory frequency, or the only way that you can feel better about yourself, right, is just by eating a chocolate cake. It simply means that you need to explore some other ways to feel good. You need to find that does not involve overindulgence. What else could I do that can really get me tapped in and turned on and tune in? What can I do to feel better? How can I get into that? What can I do? Can I listen to music? Could that make me feel a little bit better? You know, could I jot some of my thoughts down? Do I need to work a little bit more so that I can earn a little bit more money? Um, maybe I do need a new dress because this dress is shaggy. Just having like this Mm. really just, you know, really looking at the mirror of yourself and slowly saying, "Mm, I'd like to alter that. I'd like to change that. I'd like for this to be better. But you're talking about taking a second to consciously ask yourself, how am I feeling? What do I yeah, need? Yeah, Automatic pilot. Yeah, autopilot like you this. And even if you are in a place where you, let's say me, I, I typically have gotten myself a lot under control when it comes to wanting something. Because mm-hmm. I don't have like, I don't always want. Like I'm not like a wanty. I'm not always a material wanter. I think everything is in the material world. So that's kind of safe. But I wouldn't necessarily, like, I don't want a person a shoe and this mm-hmm. and that like it, it's not constant for me it's not something that I have to constantly want um so if I have let's say if I have like this jerking or this needing thing let's say there's something really expensive that I would like to manifest and I'm mm-hmm. not financially there yet I don't know I will put myself into pretending right I will get mm. on the same vibration it's almost and, like visualization yeah and, and this visualization has to really be like you have to feel it you have to you have to feel this thing you know without the it's not even the undeserving or whatever you just got to practice it out just a mm-hmm. little bit you just got to practice it out you just got to get into it so all the time you don't have to take your debit card out and make it go into a deficit do it only when it's easy do it only when it's easy. So if you're thinking, hey, I'd like to buy a Louis Vuitton purse, right? Um, I would like for you to, number one, look and see what else you could do with a good $1,500. Look and see what else could I do just with a wallet. It was just Johnny, a wallet. And it's 500 it's But 500, it's really nice. And that's ridiculous. Okay. Right? If you feel it's ridiculous, part then of it's me's ridiculous. Like, that's my mother going, okay. okay, that's ridiculous. Okay. And the other part of me is like, yeah, that, that would last forever. Okay. That's quality. Okay. Um, I think that's just, I just got, but let's talk about, let's, okay. So let's talk about that a little bit because I'm sure there's other people. So why do you really want a $500 wallet and only, and I will only allow you to tell me only the truth. Well, it might be, it's going to be layers. So let me see if I can get to the real reason. So Mm -hmm. the first layer would be, like I said, I, um, I can't remember. The last time I bought a wallet was 10 years ago at the Coach Outlet. And it really, it's a great wallet. It's mm-hmm. it's great. It's just showing its age because it's been 10 years. So mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I deserve a new wallet, a nice one. What about a wallet says deserving? What about that? Mm. What about that? Why are you attaching deserving, deserving to a wallet? Yeah, I don't want anything that falls apart. Okay. Like I, I saw this really cute wallet, this Ted Baker wallet at Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, $198 for this thing is going to fall apart. But the Louis seems really like I wouldn't have to buy one for 10 mm-hmm. years or 15 years. It feels, it, it looks and feels durable to you. Yes. Okay. Um. Now let's normally, right? 
when people want something that already has a symbol attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. Because very well, you could go and find another wallet that's just as durable. So it's really, right? right? It is the symbol attached to it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because you really want the thing. So we got to get behind why do you really want the thing? And you have to do it in such a way that you don't really trick yourself about it. I'm worthy. That's what it is. I want to feel worthy. Okay. Which is false, obviously. Okay, great. You're putting your worth in a wallet. So you want to feel, you'll feel, so something about that wallet and before I came in because you're loosening and that's the beautiful thing about mm-hmm. inviting other people in you mm-hmm. just get better depending on the right. person depending <laughs> right so when you get the wallet and you're gonna feel worthy hmm <laughs> I need to obviously I know like intellectually I want and need to feel worthy without a wallet obviously right? it comes from the inside but what about a, a Louis Vuitton wallet will say I'm worthy I'm worthy of what exactly? I don't know, Shawnee. Um, I'm making this up. Okay, and you're okay, doing okay, a good on. job. Okay, of it. what about the wallet that says I'm worthy? Um, you. You. Well, I'm going through a divorce. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, I whisper that because my kids are like two feet away. Okay. But um, it's not, that, you know, they know. Um, it's a self soothing. Okay. So, listen, we already unlocked it. I think you were going in the other lane really quickly. But what makes you feel worthy when you get the wallet is you. Because you're saying, when I get this wallet, I'm going to feel worthy. You're saying it. Right. Only so I don't need to buy it. The fact that I'm even thinking it, are you saying that? It's just, I'm not, I'm not saying whether or not if you need to buy it. Because um, I'm not saying whether you should or whether you shouldn't. But me, when I go and buy something, I only buy something. People are always complimenting me on how I dress or this, this, and this, because I only buy stuff that I absolutely love. love. Yes, that's my new motto. That is it. Yes. So, and that's I, a great discipline. Yeah, that is a great because discipline. Because it tells yourself, I matter, I'm worthy of only buying things I love. I don't need to buy crap because I'm coming yeah. from deprivation. Yeah. I'm actually, I'd rather have six outfits that I love yeah. as opposed to 60 that I yeah. came from, oh my God, I don't yeah. have enough, I'm not enough, yeah. I need to buy 60. Yeah, no, you don't You don't have to do any of that. Like right. you can, and, and you're not going to fall in love all the time mm. unless you're just, you know, what are you, an abundant whore or something? Yeah. Like you're just, oh, I'd love oh, you to. constantly yeah. need to get off, get off, get off. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's just those moments, you know, yeah. you see something and like, gosh, this is really beautiful. Right. I'd really like to have this. And buying things from that place will set the tone in your life consistently over and over So and that's over a great again. tip. Buy what, know the difference between like and love and yes. only go to love. Yeah, only go to love. And even if you have to save up to get that love, right? You may not, you may, somebody can walk into the store and maybe, okay, so for me, if I see something that I want for $50, I don't, I don't really buy. I, I I mean, I guess I do because, I mean, I, I can't just slash and go and get a Rolls Royce, right? So you do have to have some bear where you are. But let's say there was two wallets sitting there. One was 50, one was 500. And I looked at the wallet for $50. And that's all I came in the store with, right? So I'm like, hmm, I don't really want this $50 wallet. I really want this $500 wallet. So what I have to do is to prove to myself that I really want it. I will then, like, I'll take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll leave it there. Um, I'll say, "Mm, I'd really like to have that wallet, right? And I'd like to have it in a very easy way. I'd like for it to come to me in a very easy way. Easy yeah, way. not feel bad or guilty. I don't want to feel bad. Yeah. I don't want to feel guilty because then when you take that item attached mm-hmm. to you, you now have another guilty True. attached, and that's your wallet. 
That's, That's where you keep your money. Right, right. You right. know, so you're attaching yourself worth to this right, and right. like, you know, I'm good, I'm not, you know. And the and then and, and because you know that, which is really beautiful because you already know that it's attached to your worth, the gift of that is now you can make a detachment from things and say, right. I'm just worthy. That's it. Right. I can just, and that's it. It only becomes true. And, and if you need to see it, there is a scripture, I don't know if you're um, religious, but there's a scripture that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the thing not seen, right? It's it's really a big gift. For me, that unlocks faith. For a long time, I was studying faith and it just sounds so convoluted and something that like I could get at the end with the light. I wasn't going to get it here. I'll get faith yeah. when I die. Yeah, I'll get faith when I die. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it in an hour life. before. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Okay, I can't do this. Give me the lights, I can't do it. But the evidence, what that does, it says faith is the, ev- the, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the thing not seen, right? So the things that you have right now are evidence of the things that you cannot see. Mm-hmm. So the wallet that you have right now is evidence that the one that you really want is really coming. So sometimes you can say to yourself that, geez, I'm awake. I'm worthy of life. I'm awake. I can breathe this air. So sometimes we get so far out to heal ourselves. We need so much so far. It's so far. Like we got to go outside of the house. We got to get a wallet. We got to do mm-hmm. this. So we constantly got to go out of ourselves. Instead of looking worthy. inside. Yeah, yeah. There's so, you, there's so many right. things that you can get high off of before you even walk out the door. You know, so so you don't have to constantly get sucked into every marketing tactic. Louis Vuitton has done a great job, an awesome job at being the staple for when a woman feels worthy. So he then can, because he's become an attraction magnet for Mm -hmm. that. It magnetizes. Like, I have this purse. I have this thing. So people who want to feel this way should be tied in. Yeah, they've done a good job. They've Mm -hmm. done a good job of getting some people. Now, I'm sure there are some people that buy things on the basis of, gosh, this is a beautiful shoe. I really love it and they just buy it and then there's people that buy those shoes that say when people see me with the shoes they're gonna know they're gonna know who i am they're gonna know who i am they're gonna treat me with some respect they're probably not well, you're going to take the shoe off. Yeah. It'll still be you. You're still going to be you mm-hmm. when you put the purse down. So it's, it's, it's doing, and you don't have to go so far. This worthiness is not that far. It's right here. Your hands, Gratitude. your skin, your nose, you can smell things. Just, we have become so desensitized to life, which is why we're so darn ungrateful. Because we're just sensitized. We constantly, you know, we're just whores. We just need so much when we have so much. You gave us so much. Yes. Okay, so just to reiterate, because I always need to go over things for me and everybody listening. Yes. So your you gave really seven great tips yes. on how to come from gratitude. Okay. So I'm going to say them and you tell me if they're right. Number one, uh, how to get your power back, basically. Number one, stop blaming people. Mm-hmm. Number two, stop resenting Go to gratitude for anything, as we just talked about. Gratitude Mm -hmm. for your nose, gratitude for your hands, your shelter, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three, balance yourself. Number four, create better habits. I think those go together. You know, create better habits, balance yourself. Ask yourself, do I really want or need this? Mm -hmm. Um, Number five, important for all women listening, ask for more. Ask your boss for more. Ask yourself for more. Ask the universe for more. Keep asking, asking because you deserve it. Number six, feel what it would be like to get what you want. Visualize it. And number seven, my all-time favorite, 
of how to come from abundance only buy or take what you love. Know the difference between what you love and what you like. Because the love is a higher vibration mm. than just like. And like is actually just maybe coming from deprivation, not mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. You may just be going, eh, you don't really want it. So know right. how to give yourself what you really want. And sometimes you may have to wait for it. Some of these larger things are just that you don't, sometimes people take the minimal so that they don't have to be patient to get the major. They just take the minimal. So me, I can take a picture mm. of something. I can wait for it. Um, you know, someone may buy me a gift. Someone may give me this. I may get a big contract. Anything can happen to me from the point in which I had a desire into when I manifested it. And I don't have to be in control of the process in the middle. I can let that go. And I don't have to go into a deficit to get to, to get what I want. Amen. Amen. Let's love what we love and only get what we love. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Shawnee. If you want to get in touch with Shawnee Curry, you can reach her at purseempowerment.com. Right now, she's offering a free 21-day challenge. Yes. That will change the way you spend and the way you save, ladies and gentlemen. You can also get her book. It's a great book. Uh, on Amazon, by the way, and on Audible. Ten things every woman should keep in her purse. So in a sentence, Shawnee, what is your best advice for life on how to come from abundance? If you could say it in a sentence. The best, the best way to go for a life of abundance is to show gratitude for all of the things you've already manifested. Beautiful. A reminder to everybody, submit your questions on AdviceForLifeWithLynn.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free email. You'll be the first to get my weekly blog on how to live consciously and peacefully. You'll also get access to my free happiness guide when you sign up. Also, I'm looking for guests with different ways that they can help the Advice for Life with Lynn followers. So reach out. Maybe if you think you've got something to say and you want to be on the podcast. Lastly, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. I really care about what you think. So tell me how I'm doing. I want your thoughts. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. So your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and they help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.